Masechet Ketubot, Daf Ayin Chet. We begin the eighth pedic, which is about financial matters uh, between the husband and wife. We're talking about Nichse Melog. That is property that the wife brings into the marriage. Uh, she either owned it before or acquires ownership of this property during the marriage. And the law of this property is that she re- retains the title to the land, but the husband can um, enjoy the income that the land produces, uh, which makes sense. He's in charge of all the household finances and providing for her and all that. And so he he gets to he gets to do that. But uh, she owns the land. So it's a kind of partnership in the land. And as with any partnership, uh, is always a question of you know who can control what if she wants to sell the land uh, in uh, while they're married or before they're married. I was once a tenant and I was uh, my landlord was one person. My landlord sold the house that I was renting to someone else. So then I had a new landlord, which is perfectly legal and worked out just fine. But you can see that this can um, get tricky in various cases. So that's what we're talking about. We begin. If a wife um, had uh, um, some property that fell to her, meaning like she inherited it, doesn't have to be mean she inherited it. She could have, however, she acquired it. But this is hers, and she received it before the kiddushin, meaning while she was single. Well, in that case, in that case, everybody would agree. We're going to see there's a machloket in a second. But in this case, everyone would agree that she can buy it, sell it, um, uh, sorry, sell it or give it away as a gift. And that transaction is perfectly valid. She's a single woman. She can own property. She can sell property. She can do whatever she wants with it. So that's clear. There's not going to be any discussion about that. Second case, if she acquired the land after Kiddushin. Now already, because there was Kiddushin, so the husband, husband-to-be, has some uh, rights over her and over her property. It's not full rights, but it's something in between because it's something in between, potential rights. Therefore, it's is subject to a machloket. Bet Shammai omerim timkod, or bet hilel omerim lo timkod. Bet Shammai is on her side and says she can still sell it. They're not married yet. It's her property. She can sell. She can do what she wants with it. Bet hilel says, no, he can't. She can't. Because maybe he came and he. one of the reasons he married her is because she has this land. He's looking forward to farming the land and gaining income from the land. And now she's going to go sell it. Sorry, it's not her right anymore. Uh, but both agree, meaning even Betilel agrees, that if she did sell it or give it away, the transaction is valid. Because after all, they're not married yet. It's her land. And so... If she does, if she does sell it, it's valid. Okay, now that's case number two. We're going to see a third case, but before that, we're going to have a a uh, conversation about this machloket uh, betilel and bet shamai. Amar Yehuda, 
And this version of this machloket is according to the Behuda. We're going to see a second version of this conversation coming up soon. Um, okay. Gamliel. The sages told Rabban Gamliel, Ho'il lo The question is for sure on Bet Shammai. It might even be on Bet Hillel. But according to Bet Shammai, right, they're challenging Rabban Gamliel to defend Bet Shammai here. According to Bet Shammai, that if she receives this land after Kiddushin, then she can sell it. The Chachamim ask, since the man uh, merited, acquired the woman by doing Kiddushin, he has authority over her, so all he should also have authority over her property. So the Kiddushin, it's basically like a full marriage, except that they didn't consummate the marriage, they're not living together, but he already should have his rights to her. No one else can come and marry her. He should have rights to her land, and no one else should be able to come and buy the land. That's a good question. Amar Lehen, Rabban Gamliel, is now going to defend her rights and uh, therefore support Bet Shammai. Um, so he, uh, Rabangamli answer, answers, even on the new property that she inherits after her marriage. This is anticipating the third case. This Mishnah is a little hard because you have to know the whole Mishnah in order to understand these interjections uh, within the Mishnah. But we'll review it in a second. So he says, in a case where she acquires the land after she's already married, and in that case she has the least rights over it because she acquires it after marriage. He says, even in that case, I am, we are ashamed that the husband should have rights to it because if she inherits, acquires the land, it's hers, she should be able to do what she want, wants with it. So Bangamil is saying, really, I think that she should always have rights even if she acquires it later. That means the new. So, and now you're coming and adding on and complaining about the old lands, meaning the lands that she already owned from before the marriage that she acquired now since the Kiddushin, and you're coming to say he should have rights to it. I think she should have rights to all her land, even the ones that she gets after Nisuin, all the more so the ones after uh, the Kiddushin. So it's a fundamental machloket here of what, what do you do with this land? It's a kind of partnership. Uh, Rabban Gamliel would say she owns the title and therefore she can sell it anytime she wants. Whereas um, Chachamim here are saying, no, he is the one that uh, um, while they're married, as long as they're married, uh, he, uh, uh, he controls, uh, he has authority over her and therefore her property, so he should do whatever he'd be able to do, what he wants with it. So that's the two sides of the machloket. Okay, the Gemara is going to ask whether this, this um, discussion here is only for Bet Shammai, or it might even be uh, regarding Bet Hillel, because even Bet Hillel says, Bidi Avad, if she sells it, it's valid. And so Chachamim might be asking Rabban Gamliel even about Bet Hillel, hey, um, uh, since the man acquires her, he also acquires the land, and therefore, even Bidiyavad, he should be able to take back the sale. Okay, the Gemara will discuss that, but that's important because Rabban Gamaliel is not necessarily uh, defending Bet only Bet Shammai. He may be defending Bet Hillel, which is what the Gemara is going to conclude. Okay, now we have a third case. Naflu la Mishaniset. This is where she acquires the land after the Nisuin. In this case, Bet Hillel and Bet Shammai would agree that she cannot sell it. She doesn't have a right to it. 
if she does sell it, the husband can go after the, the, the buyers and say, sorry, my wife sold it to you. She didn't have a right to do it. I'm in charge here. And he can take them back. Um, okay, now, we have one more opinion, which is Rabban Gamaliel himself. He was involved in the conversation, but now we're going to see another version of the conversation that's about Rabban Gamaliel's own position. So he says, Ad niset, if she acquired the land before Nisuin, but then sold it after Nisuin, in that case, Rabban Gamliel says, if she sold it or gave it away, it's a valid. It's valid. Um, he would agree that if she acquired it and acquired it after Nisuin and sold it after Nisuin, then it's an invalid sale. But if she acquired it beforehand, and sold it afterwards, then okay. if she acquired it before Nisuin and sold it before Nisuin, uh, presumably he would say it's, uh, it's, a, it's a fine sale. Um, like Bet Shammai, although he could agree with Bet Hillel in that case as well. Okay, it's regarding this that Rabbi Hanina ben Akavya, Amar Rabbi Hanina ben Akavya, he has the same conversation as above, uh, Rabbi Yudahi had, um, but he applies it to this case here, the third, uh, this statement of Rabban Gamliel, and not the case of after uh, after Kiddushin, before Nisuin, which is what Rabbi Uda's version was. So, so Rabbi Uda had one version of this conversation, and this is the second, Amar Rabbi Hanina ben Akavya. Amru lifne Rabban Gamliel. So it's about this, Rabban Gamliel's own position, the Chachamim challenged him and said, since the man acquired her after Kiddushin, so all the more so, he will acquire her property. And you're talking about property that she had uh, gotten before Nisuin, and she sold it after Nisuin, and you said, Bidi Avad, the sale is okay. Why? He owns her. He he, he has authority over her. Um, okay. And Gamliel answers, really, I think that the wife should always have the rights over her own property, right? The man, the husband doesn't own her uh, and therefore does not own her property. He has certain authorities and certain, you know, rights and responsibilities, but this is her land. And so really, I think that she should be able to sell the land that she got and sold after Nisuin. But what can I do? I'm embarrassed that this is, that the law has not come down in that, that way, but at least I'm going to defend her right. If she got acquired the land before Nisuin, then uh, if she had sold it after Nisuin, the sale should be valid. Okay, there is one more section of the Mishnah, but let's get let's get a quick summary of the Mishnah so far because it is a complex structure. So um, to simplify, we have three cases here. Whether uh, one number one, she inherited the land or received the land. Doesn't matter how she received it before kiddushin. The second one is when she inherited the land between kiddushin and nisuin, and the third one is when she inherited the land after nisuin. This is the basic breakdown that it matters more when she acquired the land. It matters less when she actually made the sale, according to this structure. Uh, so if she inherited before kiddushin, she inherited at a time when she was single. She can do anything she wants. And so all agree. And this would apply even if she sells it 
after the Kiddushin. If she acquired it before Kiddushin and she sells it after Kiddushin, still everyone would agree that sale is valid. That was hers from before. No problem. Okay, we will see in the Talmud that Rav and Shemuel will disagree with that point. Okay, but in the Mishnah, everyone agrees with that. The most complicated case is when she inherited it in between, in that between status. Well, then what do you do? So here, Bet Shammai is more on her side. She can sell it lechatechila. Bet Hillel says she can only sell it bedi avad. Uh, okay. Now, Rabban Gamliel, even though Rabban Gamliel is quoted in the Mishnah after number three, really he is in fact talking about a case where she inherited it in between, right before the nisuin. Um, and but as long as but Rabban Gamliel would say. Um, it, it sounds like he would agree with Bet Hillel that if he if he she sells it in between uh, in, in between then it's totally fine. Sorry, that means he agrees with Bet Shammai. Um, but here's here's his chidush: if he acquired it before Nisuin and sold it after Nisuin, then Bediavad it's okay. Um, so that's his chidush. That goes against all the other opinions, because all the other opinions says if she inherits the land after Nisuin, at that point she is fully under the authority of her husband, and therefore um, everyone would agree, Bet and Bet Shammai, that she cannot sell the land. If she sells it, the husband can go after it. So the um, if we take out Rabban Gamliel, right, so it's very nice structure, right? Everyone agrees here. Everyone agrees in the other case, Bet Shammai, Bet only disagree in the, in the middle case. And the only thing that's important is when it's inherited. Uh, but we're going to see that there uh, are, are the criteria. The other criteria is when is it sold? And Rabban Gamliel already here, is questioning that. Okay, now besides that, besides these, these these steps, we also have a conversation between Chachamim, who prefers his side of the story, and Rabban Gamliel, who prefers her side. And this conversation itself had two versions. Rabbi Uda applied it in in case number two, regarding Bet Shammai Bet Hillel, when she acquires and sells it during the in-between period. Uh, Rabbi Chanina, however, uh, applied it to the, the Rabban Gamliel case when she uh, acquired it before but sells it after the Nisuin. All right, that is the structure so far. Now, one last opinion that has nothing to do with the uh, ones before. Rabban Shimon gives yet another distinction, not when she acquired it, but a different criteria. What kind of property is it? If the husband knew about this property that she owns, she can't sell it because he's going to come and say, hey, you know, I married you because I knew you had this property. I'm relying on it. So it's not your right to go and sell it. So he has authority over it. And if she does sell it or give it away, it, the sale is invalid. However, if she has some offshore accounts uh, hidden away, uh, other land that he doesn't know about, so he's not relying on it, he doesn't even know about it. And so therefore, those things that are unknown to him, if she goes ahead and sells it or gives it away, those transactions are valid. They belong to her. 
That's the Mishnah. Okay, now the Gemara will ask, We're talking about the first clause of the Mishnah, where she inherited the property before the Kiddushin, and there everyone said, it's, uh, she can sell it, it's totally fine. Whereas in the second one, where she inherited it, after Kiddushin, but before Nisuin, and there it's a machloket. But what difference does it make when she acquired the land? Either way, she's selling it during the Kiddushin, after the Kiddushin, before Nisuin. If she's selling it at that time, so she is equally under the authority of her husband, whether she received the land before Kiddushin or after Kiddushin, what is the difference when she receives the property more important is when, where, where, what is her status when she sells it? The answer to that is Amri In the first case, she inherits the property before Kiddushin. It's in her right. She acquired it when she's single and therefore when it's totally her right to do whatever she wants with it. So she continues that right even after Kiddushin. Whereas the second case where she inherited the land after the Kiddushin, so when she inherits it, she's already under the authority of her husband. And therefore, the right to sell it then belongs to the husband. She can't say, I already had it when I was coming into the marriage. So that explains why it does make a difference when she acquires it. We ask further on this. <speaking in Hebrew> a question to Betilel. If, in fact, uh, that... Um, uh, it's his property in when uh, uh, when she acquires it after Kiddushin, then it belongs to him. So then why, if Bidiavad she gave it away or sold it, then what would be why is the uh, why is the sale valid? Right? This whole line of questioning is only for Betilel, because according to Bet Shamai, she can sell it no matter what. Whether she inherited it before Kiddushin or after Kiddushin is the same. So Bet Shammai doesn't have to give this answer. So according to Betilel, however, uh, I understand your answer that when she, after Kiddushin she acquires it under his authority, but then how come Bidiavad it's okay? Uh, so rather we're going to refine our answer and say in the first case where she's single, then she is for sure her uh, merit, her uh, right to do what she wants with it. That's when she inherited it. But in the second case, um, we say maybe it's her right, maybe it's his right. Since it's, it's a Kiddushin, and we're never sure at the stage of Kiddushin whether they're going to have the Nisuin, they might break off the, the, the marriage and they might get divorced before the Nisuin. This is still a, a touch-and-go period, right? I mean, sometimes that, that things happen and the wedding doesn't work out, they fight about the flowers, they break it off, and so uh, therefore we are not sure whether uh, when she inherits it after the Kiddushin, before the Nisuin, is it her right or his right? And therefore, since it's a safek, we say, don't sell it. But if you sold it, then it's fine. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it as is. Okay, so that is the uh, answer. That explains Bet why Betilel makes a difference between case one and case two. All right, now regarding case two, we have the Biuda's version of the conversation. 
Amar Biuda, Amru Lifne, Rabban Gamliel, Chachamim, challenge Rabban Gamliel regarding this law. Ibai Alehu, Rebiuda Alechetechila, O Adi Avad. When they, the sages were questioning him, could look here. Um, they were questioning him here about this this machloket, um, and the sages said, well, "It's his, he acquires her after kiddushin. Why doesn't he acquire her land also?" So that's certainly a challenge to Bet Shammai that says she can sell it. Uh, why can she sell it? It's under his authority. And the question is, are they is, are Chachamim also challenging Baraban Gamliel regarding Bet Hillel? Hey, Bet, according to Bet Hillel, how come Bedi Avad it's okay? Since he acquired her, he acquired her land fully, and therefore, even b'diavad, it should not be a valid sale. So that's, is, are they challenging Betilel, or are Chachamim okay with Betilel, and they're only um, challenging Bet Shammai regarding that lechatechila? That's our question. We have an answer from a baraita tashema de tanya amar rebiuda. So this is a baraita expanded version of the conversation. Amru lifner aban gamliel ho'il vezo ishto vezo ishto zo mechara mechra batel av zo mechra batel. And so this version of the question they explain the chachamim challenge aban gamliel since this is his wife and that is his wife. Meaning after kiddushin that's his wife. After nisuin that's his wife. You know, legally, uh, uh, halachically, after Kiddushin, they're pre- pretty much married. It's not like modern-day engagement that has no legal significance. So it is his, his, they are married for most purposes. And therefore, just like after the Nisuin, you said everyone agrees that if she sells it, it's invalid. So too, before the Nisuin, it should be invalid. So you see here, their challenge is even against Betilel. Because Betilel says Bediavad, it's valid. But um, in this Baraita version of the conversation, they, the Chachamim, are unhappy with any validity of the sale after the Kiddushin. And so here's the answer. So that's the same as the answer in the Mishnah that uh, truth is, I'm really upset about the law after Nisuin. I think she should have the right always. And now you're coming and adding and giving complaining and adding more that she sh- that he should have even rights before the Kiddushin, uh, when she already had it uh, earlier, so that's his defense. She owns it. She should be able to do it. Okay, that's the end of the Braita, and that's the answer. Shema Amina, Diabad Kamar, Shema Amina. We can conclude that the Chachamim were asking even about Betilel, who says Bediavad, uh, the sale is valid. Okay, we're going to continue that this Braita, which also gives an expanded version of Rabbi Chanina's version of the conversation. And uh, this version of the conversation is going to be a little different from the Mishnah's version that we're going to ask about that. Tanya. Amar Rabbi Chanina ben Akavya. Lo kacheshivan Rabban Gamliel ha-chachamim, ela kacheshivan. Rabbi Chanina ben Akavya says, that's not what Rabban Gamliel told Chachamim. You have a different version. This is actually the uh, the answer that he said. Remember, the challenge of the Chachamim against Rabban Gamliel in this version is about what he says, that if she acquires the land 
uh, before Nisuin and sold it even after Nisuin, then it's a valid sale. And so they ask about that. Why is it a valid sale? He acquired her. He acquires her land also. And so this is the answer that he said. No, after the, after the Nisuin, that's when it makes sense that if she acquired it after Nisuin and she sold it after Nisuin, for sure, uh, it, it, he has rights. So he has rights over it because at that point he can has is entitled to anything she finds, to her earnings, and he can undo her vows. And that's all after Nisuin. So you see, after Nisuin, it really steps up his authority and rights over her. But you can't compare that to Tomeru Barusa Sheen Balazakai Lobe Mesiata Velobe Maseadeha Velohapafatadareha after Kidushin before Nisuin, the husband is not does not have a right over things she finds or her earnings. And he cannot nullify her vows. So there's a big difference between before Nisuin and uh, before Nisuin and after Nisuin. That's why, uh, as long as she uh, acquired the land before the Nisuin, then she has rights to it. It doesn't go to him. Amrullah. The sages say back to him. Now we have an extended version of this uh, conversation. Uh, now further challenged Aban Gamliel. According to your logic, that there is a different, there is a difference between before Nisuin and after Nisuin. So according to you, Aban Gamliel, what's your opinion? If she sold this land that she acquired before Nisuin, if she sold it before Nisuin, um, would it make a difference in that law versus if she first did Nisuin and only then sold it? Well, what do you say, right? Well, shouldn't there be a difference? He said, no, I don't think there's a difference. In fact, even as long as she owned it before the Nisuin, she can sell it even after Nisuin. This is the line that we're going to ask about. Because according to our, our Mishnah, he only said that in that case, when she owns it before Nisuin and sells it after Nisuin, only Bidiyavad she can sell it. But in this conversation, he's saying, yes, he, she can even sell it. In other words, there is no difference between her selling it before Nisuin and after Nisuin. Regarding that, now the Chachamim uh, give a serious challenge. You just said that there is a difference between before and after, but now you're saying there's no difference. So the Chachamim say, since he now acquires her, doesn't he also acquire her the rights over his uh, her? Land. In other words, you just agreed that and now once they have Nisuin, he uh, owns her things. She finds her earnings. So certainly after the time of Nisuin, he should be able to stop the sale and get it back. So, uh, you know, how come, why, how come you don't make a distinction? So he, the uh, Raman Gamliel answers, in fact, of over the new property, even the ones that she inherited after the Nisuin, we are ashamed of the uh, of your opinion. Uh, but we have to agree. There's no, we could, we can't find anyone that says otherwise. So Rabban Gamliel says, even uh, with the land that she acquires after Nisuin, that's the Chadashim, 
I think Rabban Gamliel says really she should have a right to it. But what can I do? I have no, nobody who's going to support me on that, so I don't say that. But at least a land that she had acquired before the Nisuin that she has rights over even after to sell, even after the Nisuin. That's the end of the Braita. Okay, so now we ask about this 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 uh, contradiction. Ba'anantenan in our Mishnah, Rabban Gamliel only says Achelo niset v'niset. Rabban Gamliel Omer imachra v'natna kayam. Our Mishnah says if she acquired it before marriage, but then sells it after marriage, Rabban Gamliel says only b'diavad it's okay. But here in the Brayta said lechatechila. So which one is it? says, you're right, this contradiction is there. So you know what we have to do? We have to change the text of the Mishnah to fit the Braita. We got it wrong. And the Braita, the Mishnah, in fact, says, That's one answer. Rapapa says there's actually two different versions of Rabban Gamliel's opinion. And so the Mishnah is the version of the Biyuhuda. He is the one that we also uh, already quoted, both in the Spadaita and the Mishnah above. And so uh, according to the Biyuda, uh, Rabban Gamaliel will only agree to it Bidiavad. However, uh, according to the Bihaninaz Ben Akavya's version of the conversation, um, he would he understands that Aban Gamliel would permit it even lechatechila. So it's a machloket between these two uh, later students about what Aban Gamliel said. Okay, Ben Akavya Kebet Shamai. According to that, um, we would actually end up being the same as Bet Shamai, because Bet Shamai says when she acquired it before, she can sell it, no problem. Not only at this point, but even after Nisuin, um, uh, Rabban Gamliel would say it's okay. But certainly, if she acquires it. But in the in-between period and sells it in the in-between period, certainly Rabban Gamliel would say that's fine. And that would be the opinion of Bet Shammai. That's unusual that a later student would follow Bet Shammai against Bet Hillel. So how could that be? We answer, Or rather, according to this version of Rabban Gamliel, they will, Bichaninah's version, will deny that there's even a machloket. Even Bet Hillel, he thinks, would agree that she can sell it and so even this this um, this version that there is a machloket is only according to the Biuda. All right. Now another opinion altogether that we didn't see yet. Rav and Shemuel agree that whether she acquired the land before the Edusin or whether she acquired the land after the Kiddushin, Kiddushin, Edusin is the same thing, and then got married and sold the land after marriage, the husband can go after the per- the purchasers. The, the sale is invalid. In other words, according to Rav and Shemuel, they would disagree with this entire structure. It doesn't matter when she inherits the land. All that matters is when she sells the land. No matter when she inherited the land, before, when she's single, in between, afterwards, if at the time after their marriage she goes and sells it, 
No, no we're married. He has full authority over her, uh, uh, her property at that time. Although when they get divorced, he'll return the property. Yes, true. But while they're married, he has full rights over it. He has rights over the income and he has rights over the sale, even if she um, uh, earned it, even if she inherited it long before. Okay, now we ask about the Rav and Shemuel. This Rav and Shemuel doesn't go like any of the opinions above, but both Rabbi and Rabbi Hanina, although they disagree on the details, they both agree that there is a distinction about, about when she acquired it. And so, um, if she acquired it long before, then everyone agrees that the sale should be valid, even if she sells it after. So, what's going on? Follow the opinion of Rabotenu, who we didn't quote yet, but are found in the following. The, the, the rabbis, uh, these rabbis, uh, returned and they returned to the subject and they voted and decided they voted and decided whether she acquired the land before Kiddushin or after Kiddushin once she gets married the husband has full rights and her sale is invalid all right good we next move on to the third case of the Mishnah that says Misha Niset Eluv Elu Modim. If she acquires the land after the Nisuin, then everyone agrees. Betel and Betshamai agree that the husband has full rights and she her sale would be invalid. So we ask about this. Usha. We already know that this this uh, uh, law is true based on an ordinance that the rabbis and Usha made. So does this mean that this Mishnah already taught something that would only come later that we learn in Usha? And doesn't this kind of uh, overlap something that was uh, an ordinance? So is this an old law that then they again, what's the relationship between this Mishnah and the ordinance of Usha that said the same thing? Because here's the tradition in Usha, they made an or they made an enactment that if a woman sells her melog property, that's that's property that she retains the title to, and she will get back um, after at the end of the marriage. So if she sells it. Uh, during the lifetime of her husband, so while they're married, but then she dies first uh, while he's alive, he can go and take it back from, take the land back from the buyers. That sale is invalid. So this seems to overlap the Mishnah. What, so why do we need an? Oh, why do we need these two sources to say the same thing? Right? Does the Mishnah already say what they decided in Usha later? The answer is no, actually two different things. Matnitin Bechayeha Ul Perot Takanat Usha Begufashel Karka Ul Achar Mitaha. The Mishnah was just was talking about during her lifetime, if she decides during the marriage, when they're both alive, that she's gonna take this land that he is farming and and uh, keeping the income, she sells it to someone else, so then he, during her lifetime, could go back and say, sorry, this is, uh, I'm using this land here. She had no right to sell it to you. And so uh, he can take it back. That's all the Mishnah said. Um, but the Mishnah did not say anything about her selling it 
uh, to say that after she dies, then it will go. She can sell it while she's alive uh, so that as soon as she dies, then it will go to someone else and she can collect the money and enjoy it while she's alive or it'll go to in her inheritance. That was the Mishnah law. At Usha, they said that the, uh, the land itself, even after the death, the um, husband can go repossess it. If she had sold the land while she was alive, then the husband can go back and repossess not just the income, but the land itself. So in the Mishnah, we're just talking about where she sells the sell, she sells the land uh, with the income during her uh, during while they're married. So the Mishnah is saying, no, no, he can get it back as his. Um, but according to the Mishnah, once she dies, it could be then then that sale would go through, and uh, the husband would no longer take it. So Usha, they said, no, we don't even want that to happen. And so they added this extra layer that he can repossess the land itself that she tried to sell when she was alive. Okay, Rabbi Shimon Cholek ben Nechasav. Now the very last part of the Mishnah where Rabbi Shimon makes a different distinction altogether between property he knows about and that he can repossess and property he doesn't know about, there she can sell the land. What does this mean that he knows about or doesn't know about? Two definitions. So explains things that he knows about. That's talking about land. You can't hide land. It's right there. Uh, he's going to go and see it. He's going to know about it. Whereas if there are movable property, she maybe she has jewelry or other things that she can store away that she retains full ownership over and therefore she can sell it and that's those sales would be valid that's definition number one second definition now all that land or movable objects that she has around are uh, things that he will know about what does mean that he doesn't know about it if they live in one place and she acquired a land in another country that is not around. They're not traveling much. He's not. They're not. The um, mail system was slow, and so it could be that he'll never know that she has some overseas accounts, and so that property. She can buy and sell and do whatever she wants with it. Tanya na mehachi we have a brayta supports the Biochanan elu hen she enan yedoin kol she yoshevet kan v'naflu nachasim bevinatayam exactly the same and as long as they live in one place and she acquires some property in another place so that land she can sell uh, and uh, because he is not he's not attached to it he's not relying on it he's not saying you know I wanted I acquired you and your land. When he did the, when he married her, he only knew about this land, so as nothing, it's outside the bounds of his reach. Amen, amen.